0: Well friends, last week I received more comments than usual after the sermon regarding my Home Alone 2 illustration (laughs) um, and the penetrating analysis that I provided of the film. Um, But I want you to know, as wonderful as that movie is, it is not perfect, not perfect by any means. Um, There's a scene in Home Alone 2 that captures what I would say is our, cultural's, our culture's um, operating definition of the meaning of Christmas and the gospel. And if you've seen Home Alone 2, there's this poignant scene where um, Kevin and the woman who's the bird lady, if you remember the woman that goes to the park who has all the birds on her, she lives, do you remember where she lived in the movie? She lived in the attic in Carnegie Hall and so Harry goes up with her and they're having this poignant conversation and Harry misses his family and he feels like he's a bad person like he's not done a number of things wrong and he's lamenting that to the bird lady and the bird lady says this she said Kevin did you know that a good deed can erase a bad deed and good deeds count for even extra tonight it's Christmas Eve in the movie so Kevin Think of the most important thing that you can do for others, and go and do it. Just follow the star in your heart, okay? I think that is a great definition of how our culture understands the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christmas. And I think our passage this morning is going to be helpful to clarify the true meaning of Christmas. With that in mind, please stand for the reading of God's word. Beloved, this is the essence of the Christmas story. The gospel of Jesus Christ written for you and written for me. Remember, beloved, these are, these are the very written words of God. Matthew writes, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, What the Lord had spoken by the prophet, quote, this is from Isaiah 7, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, in other words, he married her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever, and may he add his blessing to it. You may be seated. So, um, in watching another Christmas movie this past week, I think, my, You know, maybe my personal favorite, along with Home Alone 2, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, how could you not like It's a Wonderful Life? Raise your hand if you've seen that movie. Please tell me. Okay, as many as has seen Home Alone 2, so that's good. Uh, really, today, it's hard to use movie illustrations, because so few people see the same movie. you got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, but these classics are pretty much appreciated by everybody. And you know the storyline of It's a Wonderful Life. It's set in 1946. George Bailey is the main character, and there is a financial crisis in the movie, and people are making a run on the bank at his savings and loan, and he doesn't have enough cash on hand to give the people all of their money. It's a crisis. And then his uncle, remember what his uncle's name was? trivia. Uncle Billy had lost $8,000, which put them in further distress, and that amount of money in today's dollars would be over $100,000. And so George Bailey is distressed. He is heartbroken. He doesn't want, doesn't know what to do, so he goes to the bridge. He's going to throw himself off the bridge and take his life until his guardian angel appears, Clarence. Okay, and Clarence gives him a what-if scenario. What if you had never been born? You wish you were never born? Well, let's do a what-if. I'll show you the consequences to Bedford Falls as if you had never been born. And so then he puts George into that reality, letting George see firsthand what would have happened had he never been born. Well, it got me to thinking a little bit about another what if. What if Joseph, husband to Mary, would have gone ahead and quietly divorced Mary? You know, if, if, if through some kind of divine providence, Joseph could have seen into the future to all the ramifications, the consequences, had he followed through, and divorced her, what would the consequences have been? Maybe over lunch you could discuss what you think, theoretically speaking, the consequences of Joseph divorcing Mary would have been to your redemption and mine. How does the text describe Joseph, husband to Mary? How does it describe him? What kind of man is he or was he? You know this, what was he? What does the text say? He was a righteous man, and when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he was a follower of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, and what does the Old Testament say if someone finds out that their spouse has been unfaithful, if there's something indecent about their spouse, they were, in that context, allowed, to grant a certificate of divorce and pursue a different life. And so Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to cause a scandal, resolved to divorce her quietly, as was his right in the law. When an angel of the Lord appears and says, don't do that, what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit, and now Joseph has a decision to make, does he not? Because if Joseph goes through with it, Joseph is still subject to being viewed with some suspicion. Because people would know when they get married, and they would see the timing of the birth of Jesus, and people could do math back then. And so Joseph had a decision to make. He had to count the cost of what it would mean to marry Mary, and to take on this child, and to live this life that was before him. The reason it says divorce is because in that context, which makes it even more difficult, is betrothal. In first century Judaism, betrothal is different than our understanding of engagement. Okay, the way that we uh, precede marriage in our culture is you get engaged. That is an informal and non-legal agreement. You could, um, you know, go back. You, you, you could take the ring back or whatever. You don't have to get married. But in this context, betrothal was a legal act. It was a legal act. It was a cultural act. There would have been lots of people there celebrating the betrothal of these two people. And so, if Joseph decided to divorce her, that would have been well known that they had gotten a divorce. What would that have done to Mary? Had he proceeded forward, legally secured a divorce, what would that have meant? What do you think? That would have stigmatized Mary in ways we can't imagine. It would have subjected her to what? It could have subjected her to capital punishment via stoning. At a minimum, Mary would have been stigmatized if Jesus was born without a father? Possibly stoned to death, potentially. What else would it have done? I had someone a couple weeks ago, a dear friend, come up um, after the service and say that in a Sunday school class, they had heard that Joseph was Jesus's father. And this person was a little curious because Jesus did not have a biological father. So how can it be said that Joseph is Jesus' father? What's the answer to that? Joseph was Jesus' legal father. And so Jesus' ancestry goes through his father. Joseph was of the house of David. David the consequences of Joseph divorcing her quietly would cut off Jesus from his legal ancestry, connecting him back to David and qualify him, or maybe in this case, disqualifying him from being our Messiah. There was so much on the line, theoretically, for Joseph's choice. What would he do? Now, Joseph was an incredibly faithful man, a righteous man, and so when he heard the word of God through the angel, he trusted the Lord, he obeyed, he went through with it. Amazing the kinds of people that God provides for these kinds of things. But this was not the first time a Joseph had come to the rescue. I think the author of Matthew, I would argue that the author of Matthew is intentionally wanting you to hearken back to another Joseph. This is not the first time that circumstances quasi like these have happened. Okay, let me read to you Matthew 1.16. It's not in your bulletin. It's not in the scripture reading. But remember last week we talked a little about the genealogy Matthew says that Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Both Josephs have a father named Jacob, okay? Maybe you're not impressed yet. Both Josephs received dreams that were given to them, that helped the very salvation of the people of God. Do you remember Joseph of the coat of many colors? The dreams that God gave to him, his dreams that he would rise to power, it would prefigure the dependence of his family on him, it laid the groundwork for his rise in what country? Egypt, from which God redeemed his people And brought them out by a mighty hand Joseph husband of Mary did he have a dream how many did he have Joseph husband of Mary father of Jesus had four dreams okay his dreams not only gave him the information to go ahead and marry Mary today his dream later led them to what country y'all know this, to Egypt, to flee Herod, after which God brought Israel, who is Jesus? He's the new Israel, the true Israel, led Israel out of Egypt, back into the promised land. It is absolutely amazing to see the parallel of these two figures that god used to save his people to preserve israel to help secure your salvation and mine now we could talk about how wonderful those josephs are and that would be a good thing to do but it speaks far more to the providence of god the wisdom of god the the intelligence beyond our wildest comprehension of god who could give to us an Old Testament precursor, an Old Testament Joseph, who would foreshadow this new covenant reality. Like that is stunning. Everything in the Old Testament is pedagogical, it's foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing the Jesus who would come, the new covenant, the New Testament, looks back to the Jesus who has come. Think of all of the providential events that had to come together for the first Joseph and then later the second Joseph. God in his providence provided just the right man to care for us, to provide for the Lord Jesus. That is absolutely amazing. Through God's provision of Joseph, we get Jesus. What is Jesus' name in the text? And we've talked about this before. This is how I keep you awake as I ask you questions, okay? What is Jesus, the Greek word or name Jesus? It's the Greek term for what Old Testament name? Joshua, which means what? It means God saves. Not only does God save... But this is a fulfillment of what prophecy we said. What prophecy is being fulfilled here to the letter over 700 years after the prophecy was given? Do you know where these words, who is Matthew quoting? He's quoting Isaiah seven fourteen, where God promises Ahaz that he would give him a sign, whether Ahaz wanted it or not, that the virgin would give birth to a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Lord used not just the first Joseph, but the second Joseph in his faithfulness to provide for us the Lord Jesus, a Savior, saving us from our sins. Go back to the Home Alone illustration. Honestly, that was my understanding of Christianity all my life, is that your good outweighs your bad. Hopefully, that a good deed can undo a bad deed, and that maybe maybe holy times of year, you would get extra credit for that kind of deed, hoping that it was your merit, your righteousness, your good works, your quiet times, your church membership, your church attendance is what makes you right with God. Really, I don't like Home Alone 2 anymore after that, I mean, because (laughs) that… Think about how many people have seen that. That is the definition of our culture of the gospel. Nothing could be further from the truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is in one name, Jesus. God saves. One name, Jesus. He saves us from our sins. His title is Emmanuel, God with us, in Christ. That is the message of Christmas, that God is with you and me, that he lived the life we could never live, he died the death we should have died, and through Christ, we are set free, we are made righteous. That name, Emmanuel, is one of the most beautiful terms that has been ever delivered, Christ is our Emmanuel. I hope and pray that that never gets old. I hope and pray that these kinds of Advent sermons never get rote or routine. The greatest miracle that has ever happened in the history of the world is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The God of the universe, very God of very God, in ways we cannot fathom, took on flesh and died for you and me. That is inconceivably magnificent. That is the story of Christmas. Now at the end, as we close, at the end of It's a Wonderful Life, I think there's better theology there, okay? If we're trying to pull some theology from Christmas movies, you may not have noticed this. Notice this, at the very end, well, close to the very end, George, he's back on the bridge, okay? Okay? And his, like, you know, what if. Like, he's gotten to see what life would have been without him, okay? And it's a total disaster. It has not gone well. He's on the bridge again. And do you remember what he pleads or prays? Do you remember that? I want to live again. I want to live again. In other words, I want a second chance. And I guess God, through Clarence, gives him Another chance. And at the end of the movie, the very end of the movie, George, at that point, there was a warrant out for his arrest. Things had not gone well. The policeman shows up and tears up the arrest warrant, and do you know what hymn is playing in the background at that exact moment? Hark the herald angels sing, and the verse that they are singing peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. When that police officer tore up his arrest warrant, what do you think that pictured? That through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who trust in him will be saved, will be forgiven, will be redeemed. Beloved, that is the meaning of Christmas. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we do thank you and praise you for who you are and for all that you have done. Father, we thank you that in the fullness of time or at just the right time, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, born of a woman. Born under the law, you sent your son to be born under the righteous requirements of the law to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law for a people who never could so that we could receive redemption from our sin and be adopted into the family of God. We thank you that in the Christmas story we learn about a Savior named Jesus, which means God saves, a Savior who is Emmanuel, literally, God with us. Holy Spirit of the living God, impress this truth onto our hearts. Help us appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to appreciate and worship the Lord Jesus. Help us to understand better and better his life, his death, and his resurrection. Help us to love him and serve him and long to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.